Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Anthony Mantha. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, folks. We'd like to thank all of our patrons. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I mean when I said cheap but dumb? Yeah, no, that that fit the description very well. Oh, wait, wait, that was two negative things. Cheap but dumb. I didn't think that was Cheap and dumb. Cheap and dumb. Well, dumb's kind of our brand, so it works. We have survived the home opener. We survived the meetup. We survived the drives there and back. We survived Anthony Mantha bringing down the house at the LCA. And we are back to our regularly scheduled programming. By the time I got back to my in-laws in Windsor that night, I had almost completely lost my voice. Oh, yeah. It still feels weird. I actually just poured the hot tea and the honey directly into my throat all day today. And, and knowing that in like eight hours, I would have to talk into a mic for a podcast. Just, just took your old beer bong from college, dusted it off, and just <laughs> filled it up. And I figured whatever mold was left over in there was probably good for the throat. Yeah, it'll, it'll eat away whatever. Honestly, it was probably penicillin growing there. And then it uh, probably would have killed anything that I acquired last night. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded bad. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. This is a hell of a start to the episode. Uh, my name is Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. I am so tired. I want to count how many times you have opened with "I am so tired." Today is no exception. What is left with you besides "I am so tired"? I, I don't know. I left a piece of my body on that highway last night driving home <laughs> sure. from the game. That's. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, that was just your soul. Yeah. That drive is the worst thing ever. I don't wish it upon anybody. I don't know how you can do it at midnight anymore. I used to. I can't anymore. I have to crash somewhere in Detroit or Windsor. Getting into my bed was the best feeling that I've had in a long time. Did you go to work this morning? I worked from home today. Oh, yeah. But just, you know, once you do that drive and then get home, get into bed, and you just sit there for five seconds, you're like, this is so good. Yeah. Uh, I should tell everyone that this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast uh, is sponsored by Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light. Uh, we want you guys to celebrate four Anthony Mantha goals with Labatt Blue uh, and the Detroit Red Wings all season long. Uh, find your specially designed cases of Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light at your local retailer, hopefully close to the LCA, to hashtag Cellion with Labatt Blue. Uh, official Canadian beers of the Detroit Red Wings. Just like Anthony Mantha is the official French-Canadian elite shooter of the Detroit Red Wings. Hashtag Sally on and on and on and on. Times 208. Ha, ha, yeah, he's yeah, on pace was, for like 205 or something yeah. like that. <laughs> I'm sure he'll keep it up. Sustainable for sure. Oh, yeah. 100% sustainable. Yeah, he's got seven points in two games. So if you seven times 41 is what? 284? Yeah, was, yeah. What's the league average in scoring for teams? Subtract like 50, and that's what he's going to get. <laughs> Subtract 50, and that's what the teams around him will get. Yeah. I like how those uh, uh, those jokes are like, he's on pace for 82 goals. Like, always pop up after the first goal. And then after the second goal, everyone's like, ha-ha. And then after the third goal, everyone's like, oh, God. <laughs> and after the fourth goal, people's like, is he going to score 60? <laughs> uh, that was the best home opener that we have ever been to. And we've been to a Mike Green hat trick at a home opener. Yeah, yeah that was fun, too. Uh, the LCA has legitimately never been so loud. That was the loudest I've heard that building. Yeah. I've heard the Joe louder. Oh, yeah. But that was the loudest that building has ever been. And it's funny because I think the quietest was the last game there as well. 
Yeah, yeah. when they played Buffalo. Oh. Well, they didn't really play Buffalo. Buffalo came out and dummied them. That game, you could hear Brad's face hitting his hands. I'm not yeah. even joking. I heard it next to me. I looked over, and his head was just buried in his hands. <laughs> yeah. What uh, was the final score of that one? 7-1? Yeah. That, I think Darlene alone had seven. I'm, I'm much happier Oh, with a 4-3 victory. Oh, my God. Look, we're going to talk about what this team actually is in a little bit, but legitimately, it brought spirit to the LCA for the first time. It felt like Joe Louis Arena watching for that whole line, but Anthony Mantha just own the Dallas Stars. Also, yeah, congratulations uh, to the Dallas Stars on uh, their new ownership. I know they had some uh, troubles with their ownership last year, so to it. The, the successful the successful transition to Anthony Mantha uh, is always something to be excited for. So, look, you know what? <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll be really upset about losing this game when they make the playoffs at some point. <laughs> That's yeah. the thing. Everyone's happy here, right? Like Dallas fans, they know they're fun. they have eighty two games to, to. Yeah, their top line is Radulov's, uh Sagan, and 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 Jamie Ben. They're uh, not that upset. <laughs> Alex or Alex Sagan, uh, Tyler Sagan um, walked the entire Detroit Red Wings. I mean, like I think he digged around all five players on the ice and then absolutely undressed Bernier. So they have nothing that was, to worry yeah, about. We saw f- some pretty good pure goal scoring last yeah. night. I saw that and I just looked. Ar- I looked around. And I went, "Oh my!" God. I sellied because I have him on my fantasy <laughs> team. <laughs> so Dallas has nothing to worry about. But legitimately, Anthony Mantha just. It was he would he couldn't miss. He was shooting like he knew he was going to score, and he did know he was going to score. He shot eight times and scored four of them. Quick, Evan, what's the math on that? Uh, fifty percent. Well, someone will double check that later, listeners. If you could fact check that, that would be great. Um, just such a phenomenal performance from that line, and then the rest of the Red Wings are trying their best. They they were their team. Yeah. Okay. Have what, you ever seen about- the, no? There's they're they're not a team. They're two teams. One is when the first line goes out, and then the other team is whatever else happens oh. after they are off the ice. It's not like only one line has scored eight of the Red Wings' nine goals this year, or anything like that. I've never seen <laughs> three drivers of a bus, but this is it. I don't think Bertuzzi drives the line, but you're not He's- supposed to even have two people driving a line. No, <laughs> it's actually insane i was more excited when they stepped on the ice than i was for a red wings power play and not to say that the red wings first unit wasn't fantastic because it was them plus hiroshi and chaloski um but it just meant that the second unit was also going to get some time on the ice and the top line played a lot of minutes against dallas's top line last night too and they looked pretty good so hard minutes yeah they're gonna line match best on best for most of the season where they can now, I don't like being the guy that gets way ahead after such a small sample size, but when we combine the end of last season with the first two games this season, that line, I know one of the biggest conversations we had about the Red Wings uh, areas of struggle in terms of the rebuild going forward was the lack of truly elite talent on this roster. And, and I think we can still stand by that as good as Larkin. And if, even if Mantha holds this up, they're, they're legitimate first line players, but I don't think anybody would make the case. They're top 10 at their position in the league. Is this an elite line though? Yes. I, this is, this is right now a top 10 line in the NHL. 
Right now, yeah. Over the course of 82 games, I think the jury's still out on that. But Of course, but you'd but be silly got, to make those kind of projections. They've got about a... I don't know how many games they played together at the end of last season, but they've got about a 10 to 15 game sample size right now. And, man, yeah, I, I, I think conservatively to say they're a top 15 line in the league, I think optimistically you could say top 10. I, you could definitely make that case. Because they're not at the level of uh, Boston's top line or Colorado's or, hell, Toronto's top six. But... Man, they're not far off. If they keep producing, they can definitely be in the conversation. Yeah, because if they keep producing at the clip they've been producing for the last 10 games, not likely, but if they do, they're all well above a point per game. All and of they're, they're going to get every single opportunity to do so because we have nobody else to send out to do anything. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. Uh, Daily Faceoff, which uses player ratings from Corsica, has Bertuzzi, Larkin, Mantha as the sixth best first line in the league right now yeah i could see that and that's at this moment yeah uh, asterisk sample size yeah um, um eventually teams are gonna realize they need to absolutely stack up on that line so they will see a lot of top defensive pairings and top lines for most of the year and not that that has slowed them down yet but eventually it will is dylan larkin gonna get the best of Sidney crosby or patrice bergeron or whoever every night no of course not the nhl doesn't work that way Otherwise, Detroit would win the cup hands down and go 98-0 this season. But it's a very promising sign that this is helping alleviate one of the biggest concerns we had about the team going forward. Because it's not easy, but it's not impossible to fill out the bottom nine of your forward roster. It's very hard to fill out a top line. So if you can get the top line issue solved, even if it's not one player doing it, but that top line as a unit... I guess it's a the whole is more than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. As a truly elite line, that might be the Red Wings' biggest problem solved. And now it's just okay. We need to build a second, third, and fourth line, which again, not easy. But between Zadina, Valeno, Rasmussen, Svechnikov, Hiroshi, Athanasiu, likely, not even. Oh my God, we got to work it up for it's likely going to happen. A lot has to go right for everything to kind of fall into place as well or even as close to as well as this MLB line we'll call just for the sake of... I just want to call it the Dinger line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the Mantha Larkin Bertuzzi line. Um, but the pieces are there. Like, let's say Valeno absolutely crushes his development. There's your 2C. Let's say Zadina absolutely takes that huge step forward that he needs to this year. There's your top. There's your second line winger opposite Athanasiu. Bam, that's two lines right there. Let, that's, that's a long ways away. Like it's, And that's you being optimistic. Let's assume Joe Valeno gets reasonably close to his ceiling. It's probably still a second-line center. On like this a, team. An adequate second-line center. Let's assume Philip Zadina never scores 30 goals. Let's assume he scores 20 to 25. Still a good second-line winger. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's assume Rasmussen never plays a game above the bottom six. But he's pretty effective on the power play. And all of a sudden, the second unit's effective. That's another problem solved. Third line winger who slots in the second power play unit. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, Evgeny Svechnikov, same thing. Different role on the power play. Yeah. And when okay, he's. Sco- all of a sudden, we, we couple that with Hiroshi and Athens to see who's not there. We just built the second and third line without, without going crazy on projections. We're going on the reasonable end of what they could be. Valeno, Zadina, Rasmus, and Svechnikov could all exceed those expectations. And her, that pushes Hiroshi down to the third line. Oh, which I'm is- not taking him off Athens to line. Well. Let's Maybe. see. Let's we'll see how he see. does with Athens to see you this we'll year. We'll see what he does because Athens to see you hasn't played yet. I want to. Yeah. Okay, let's first talk about that that game. I guess no. Let's talk about Mantha Mantha's shooting right now. 
over the first two games. When Mantha shoots, I want everyone to watch every single other player on the ice. They know his shot. They know he has an elite shot. Everyone freezes. It got to the point, and Brad pointed this out in a tweet, where uh, Nashville was so aggressively covering Mantha's shot on the power play that they literally left Cholosky open because they were way more apt to take a Chilos- to handle a Cholosky shot than give Mantha any kind of space to shoot. Yeah, to narrow down the specifics of that play. When you watch a typical diamond or box formation on a penalty kill, mm-hmm. that forward will usually take an arc line towards the top defenseman just to kind of at least get a wave a stick in that passing lane just to put it in the defenseman's head so hopefully it's not a crisp pass. Nashville for like just abandoned that and they parked the player right between Chalosky and Mantha and just gave Chalosky the shot. And when you have a guy as effective as at deflecting pucks as Tyler Bertuzzi in front, he's so good at that. That is well on that the exact play where I noticed that it was just a harmless wrist shot from Chalosky from the point that Bertuzzi tipped off the just off the outside of the net. Yeah. So as if Chalosky can emerge as a like a, a dangerous and timely shooter. You don't need Mantha's shot because then they'll have to keep Chilhosky on us, which then in turn will open up Mantha's shot. Because Dallas gave Mantha the shot. They did, they did not aggressively <laughs> cover stupidly. him. Yeah, they did not aggressively cover him like they did, like Nashville did. And we saw how that turned out. Yeah. Uh, when you have both East and West have cannons of shots, obviously I think Mantha's is substantially better than Chilhosky's, but that's no shot at no pun intended. That's no, you know, bad swipe at Chalosky at all. He has a good shot as well. When East and West is covered on a power play and you put both of them on the point, that causes problems. Mm-hmm. That is such a phenomenally built first power play unit. And that's obviously a perfect first line for the Detroit Red Wings. To see Anthony Mantha's confidence right now is exactly what Red Wings fans and this podcast have been preaching for so long. When we talk about absolute ceiling, like everything goes right in his development for shooting talent. This is it. You're watching it right now for Anthony Mantha. Everything is qualified. Everything is qualified. Two games. It's been two games. That's fine. But these weren't five flute goals. These were, like, I think the only one that was a little cheap was the one where Mantha was putting himself in the right place at the right time to put in a rebound that trickled through. Yeah, but that's what pure goal scorers do. That's they, what, they poach sometimes. Yeah. Look at Thomas Holmstrom. He knew how to put the puck in the net. He never shot from behind the hash marks. The, the funny thing is, too, I still feel like you're selling Mantha a bit short. I am. Because, uh, now, obviously, he's been streaky his whole career. Goal scorers, in general, are streaky, so... As long as his heaters are like this versus his heaters are like three goals in four games, that's a fantastic (laughs) sign. He's going to put up 50. Yeah. But if he finds some consistency, that's great. But the thing that's impressed me about Mantha is his shot has gone to another level this year and he's using it way more. But every other part of his game has looked great. His skating has been fantastic. His puck protection is unbelievable when he has that puck it is his until he determines otherwise his puck protection and his use of body to win puck battles on the boards yeah i put out a gift where gift where he essentially reverse checked someone when he had already lost the puck to maintain control and then cycled it around and like he's been doing that all day long and couple it with the chemistry like the absolute insane chemistry that he has with Bertuzzi and Larkin it TV doesn't translate it these guys aren't looking and they just hit each other I just remember one play on it yes, the power play not not even that one it was a nothing play that people often will overlook myself included 
but while we were in the building and noticed it, it was just a broken breakout. Everything got scrambled in the neutral zone. It ended up Dallas dumped it back to Detroit's defenseman. I forget who it was, just shot it up the boards because he was pressured. Bertuzzi had his back to the neutral zone as he was skating towards the puck at the red line. Just got it, turned and in one motion, fired it right into the middle of the ice, which normally would be a dangerous play, but sure as hell, he put it right on Larkin's <laughs> tape going full speed, yeah. and Larkin uh, took it in wide on a, on the break-in, and it's... You can't teach something like that. He just he's, he knew Larkin was coming. I'm sure he took a look over his shoulder to see whatever path he was taking, but they didn't miss, and they do stuff like that a lot. They just know. Now, we can and we will talk about Mantha all day long, but I, I also want to talk about uh, Dylan Larkin. Um, last year, uh, around this time, we were talking a lot about what Larkin is and could be. And we said, Larkin is this team's first line center. That's no doubt. Larkin is probably objectively a second line center. Um, he could be a first line center, but you know, a lot of things has to have to go right. And he has to have a huge year and be sustained that into the season thereafter. Uh, he's done that and he makes us eat crow. And this is the happiest I've been to make a wrong prediction. He's... Like, he has absolutely kept all the momentum in the world. And it's aided by the fact that he's playing with two fantastic teammates, one with an elite shooting talent and one guy who just knows what to do. He's the third most talented guy in the line, but you wouldn't know it with the way he positions himself and the way he, he meshes with them. But Larkin has absolutely carried over all that momentum. He looks like a true first-line center in this league. He absolutely does. I, I felt he didn't have that strong of a game yesterday against Dallas and still registered to assist and had a bunch of chances. He didn't have that strong of a game, and he still looked good. Yeah, that's that's the big thing. And this is going to apply to Mantha this year as well. To be a true first-line player in this league, when you don't have it that night, and everybody who's played any sport, you know, just some nights, you just don't have it. No matter what you do, no matter what you, you just don't. But when you don't, you still have to be effective. Now, if that means you know you're not going to bury a single goal that night, um, I mean, you try, but you're just going to have to go balls to the wall defensively that game, fine. Whatever you do to be a positive influence on the team. And like I said, Larkin made a couple horrible decisions. Like I've never seen someone attempt a wraparound on a five on three. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that. Yeah, that was just hashtag dumb. They were riding that serotonin high. <laughs> yeah, and he, he, made, he had a couple other plays that I wasn't thrilled with. But again... Still a positive player, still registered two assists, and the team won the game. I that's that's what you need. Um, there has not and this I don't I'm not gonna call this a hot take. I think it's you'd have a hard time arguing with it. This is the most dominant Red Wings line, like one line I've seen since Datsuk's at Eberg Holmstrom. Yeah, well that's not even up for debate. There's been no dominant line since then. It and I didn't think I would see that in this stage of the rebuild. No, yeah, it's it's a absolutely positive development, and I because it, it, it's weird because now that you mentioned that, I was even thinking about that yesterday. I'm like, I don't remember feeling this confident about anything with the Red Wings no. in a while. No, it's like a long, long time. I'm talking like since Lidstrom retired. Legitimately, they would step on the ice, and the entire crowd would perk up. The buzz yeah. started. They knew, and that has not happened for the Red Wings in a long, long time. Their transition game, by the way is holy dumb it's unreal how easily they're getting zone entries like you said they don't look they just know where they're going to be and they get it and when they have no options and they're defended perfectly which dallas played a fantastic trap when when given the opportunity to set up they still executed a good chip and chase where they actually recovered the puck yeah which we'll get to again the rest of the team in a bit but yeah, it was. And and even some of the drawn up plays, and I'm going to go on a bit of an aside here because I've been Jeff Blashill's and this coaching staff's biggest critic for years now. 
man, I love everything, almost everything they've been doing this year. That one, we were talking about it during the game. Um, the five on three they had, that one set play they had where they wheeled around, passed it from point to below the goal line, behind the net, oh, just that, as that Mantha was, the, was oh circling around. God. Now, Anton Kudobin made a ridiculous glove save on Mantha. That's not anything we've seen from the Red Wings in years. You and I looked at each other after that play and went, holy shit. We've never seen a play designed like that before. We uh, The game-winning goal off that one draw on a tired Dallas defense was executed to perfection. And anybody who's wondering, that there's no way that's not a preset play. No. That was just perfect that top line on top of being effective as hell looks like they're being coached properly because their breakouts are effective their break-ins are effective their power plays effective their cycle plays are effective their draw plays where they win it are effective it's they get it the coaches are getting it they're playing them 20 minutes a game like abdul Kader's line played 10 minutes this line played double that i mean Man, I, it's tough for Abdulkader's line to play when we're on the power play 12 times last yeah, night. But so far, it seems like this coaching staff has a different philosophy this year. And I'm I'm reserving the right to be pessimistic because, you know, history. But so far, I'm happy. I'm going to give credit to three things here. One, I think Jeff Blashill has genuinely, incrementally, not all at once, but slowly adjusted his coaching philosophy and been a little bit more open to developing young players by playing young players rather than putting them in the press box. Yeah, well, there's only one young forward on the team this year, but he's playing on the first line power play, so. Uh, Two, and this might be the homer in me, I genuinely believe this is the Steve Eisman philosophy kicking in. Eisman's philosophy of acquiring players also translates to how he utilizes them. He is not interested in letting players waste away. He usually has very good reason if he if he's limiting their minutes or setting them down. But I would not be surprised at all if he sat down with Jeff Blaschel and said, all right, enough's enough. This is no longer Abdulkader's team. This is no longer like uh, Glenn Denning on the first line team. We have to lean into what we're good at because it's so limited. Uh, and three, the players just force his hand. You do not have the kind of talent that Larkin, Mantha, and Bertuzzi have, especially together. And you know, not force your way to the first line. That's exactly what they did. And they really didn't give Jeff Blaschel a choice. So extremely, like you said, impressed with the systems. Their break, like the breakout's been so bad for years and years. And they've, they're just trying new stuff. They stretched it out. Like they're doing that breakout pass and then drop to, to shift the defense's momentum. <laughs> the hockey and, equivalent of the hook and ladder. Yeah, essentially. They, it's like a, a long stretch pass and then they drop it back to about the red line and then the yeah. defense are like all stutter stepped and then they come in with speed. It doesn't always work. Well, Detroit, to be fair, Detroit's always done the stretch pass, but the stretch pass was to be a deflection at the blue line for to the dump in. in. Now, whoever's at that far blue line or the red line, like you said, is just catching it and then throwing it backwards to whichever winger or centerman is just flying through the neutral zone, which is now, which is going to lead us to the next point. One line was doing that. Yes. Now, part of, I'm not going to say part of me, every part of me hates dump and chase hockey. It's not effective. It doesn't work in today's NHL. But the more and more I watched the other three Red Wings lines and watching them do that unsuccessfully over and over and over and over again, I don't think they're capable of doing anything else. So Blasio can no. try and teach them whatever system he wants. They will not be able to perform it. They just can't. They no. were listed a couple times. They tried that immediately led to a turnover where Dallas went the other way. And that's a good point. Like the, the 
the summary of the first two games is I made a stupid meme of the like tall Keanu and short Keanu, and the tall Keanu was the Larkin Mantha Bertuzzi line, and the short one was the rest of the Red Wings, and that is legitimately your game summary for the first two games. And not to say they were the only good players. I think Hironik had a great first two games, especially the second game. Oh, he was phenomenal in the second game. We're going to talk about him in detail because I have some points. I think Luke Glendening deserves a lot of credit. He was great both games. Um, I think Cholosky looked good. I'll say he looked good against Dallas. Yes, he looked good against Dallas. I think Nemeth, after for the first game, wasn't so hot, but the second game, he had a lot of good defensive plays in my mind. I will agree. Um, there's players here and there who have had like okay performances. Howard and Bernier. Yeah. Uh, well, Bern- yes. Bernier saved that game with yes. the second left. Bernier, so. Bernier saved it when it mattered. Um, I'm never concerned about the goalies. Like, I'm not going to blame them when it's bad. Yeah, right? like, yeah, that's fair. And the thing is, you can't blame the rest of the team because it's just the talent isn't there. I think Hiroshi was hot and cold as well. I yep. think he had his good moments, and I think he had his moments where it's like, this is still a young guy in the league, and he's not been uh, that good. Or he ha- like he has these mental lapses, but those will kind of ebb, like, ebb out. Like, he'll, he'll really round his game out, I think. He's a very smart player, so you would expect that. Um, but no, it, it's genuinely been that first line running the entire game and then there's just not enough talent to run those systems like Blashill can only do that through one line I looked at some of the analytics splits between the top line and the bottom three lines and it was comical the expected goals are way higher the expected goals are like top end like best in the like among the best in the league on the top line and the rest of them are bad yeah it's uh, (laughs) Detroit generally genuinely deserved to win that Dallas game but they genuinely did not deserve to win the Nashville game. So they should be one on one. They're two and oh, we're happy because of the top line, but this is man. <laughs> another aside. Do I ever appreciate Andreas Athens to you now? Cause he just gives that second oh, line a god. whole different look. Oh my god. They yeah. were not even capable without him. Uh, again, Hiroshi had his moments and I can't even say Phil Blair Nielsen had their moments cause they really didn't. Man, he just brings a whole new dimension to this team, but it's good. I want to talk about Hironic, though, before we really harp on the negatives. Um, he had a all right game against Nashville. A few more turnovers than I would have liked, but generally acceptable. Yeah, his puck movement was phenomenal in my mind. And the Dallas or Nashville game? The Dallas game. Yeah, the Dallas game. Oh, he yeah. did everything was phenomenal. Even watching him in the defensive zone, he the improvement that they were expecting of him over the summer... It shows. Yes, absolutely. he was he was fantastic. Uh, the one thing I noticed too that he does so much better than the rest of the defense, and his stick actually has a lot to do with it because he uses a hard square toe. I love that in defenseman. Man, can he that. pick pucks up cleanly when they're rimming the boards, which is a problem for a lot of players. So to be like, because I can't like playing with that type of blade is genuinely difficult. Yeah, but that's the big advantage of it. So it does. His puck movement was great. Um. His positioning in the offensive zone was fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's weird to say that about a defenseman, but he just kept finding the soft spots for the shots. And that's what they needed. He, I mean, he couldn't hit the broad side of a bar in that game. I mean, just hit the net, dude. But that'll come as the season progresses. Yeah. But he was getting the chances. And the one play in particular that was art was the last goal that Anthony Mantha scored. The game winner with 53 seconds left. Because you give Mantha credit for the shot, you give Larkin credit for the win, but that entire goal is Philip Ronick. Now, as I said, it was a preset play. So it's easy to say, well, he just did what the coach 
told him to do, but it's not quite that because the whole way for that play to work is you need a seam for that pass. Mantha needs to get to the right spot and then the puck needs to get to him. But seams don't just appear in the NHL. Well, you oh, want Philip Zadina would like to know your location. <laughs> <laughs> what was beautiful about that is when Hironic got it and just drifted up the boards a couple feet. He stared. I forget who the other defenseman was for the Reddings, but he just stared at him for a couple seconds. Turned his body towards the point, made it look like that defenseman who is in the center of the ice on the blue line was the one T option. The Dallas forward drifted out. The seam opened up. Hronik put it tape right in Mantha's wheelhouse. It's a play that is so subtle, but what makes all the difference? I forget who it was. I think it was Justin Bourne for the athletic did a great piece about a month ago about how the NHL is all deception. Mm. Everybody in the AHL can shoot. Everybody in the AHL can pass. Everybody in the AHL for the most part can skate. But they they telegraph what they're doing. So to be able to make a pass like that, well, the Dallas defender thinks you're doing something entirely different, is what separates good players from great players. So once Heronic finishes refining his game, it's plays like that that make me think, hey, this guy might actually be a top pairing defenseman. Um, the thing that you just ex- described, I'm happy you did because you talked about all that work that Heronic did to set Mantha up. Blashill is genuinely running every piece of offense through Anthony Mantha. Not like literally, like uh, of course Larkin's going to generate chances. Bertuzzi has his chances, but they are trying at any given opportunity. If Mantha is open, the puck is going to his stick and you can see it. And it is absolutely the right move. The first line is amazing. That's the gist of it. They are tall Keanu. Let's talk about short Keanu. This is what Iserman wanted. If you want to put your tinfoil hat back on, right? I'm taking the tinfoil hat off. This is just my opinion now. Straight up. They are bad. Um, Man, the bottom six provides. It sounds overly harsh, but in reality, because Luke Lendenning's playing on the second line right now, they provide nothing of value. They did not have. Okay. Other than when the Dallas defenseman gifted Darren Helm the puck in the slot, which Darren Helm promptly buried into the goalie's pad, so he's in midseason form. <laughs> that is such a prototypical Darren Helm play. Just the most point-blank opportunity. He even had a chance to stick handle, and the goalie couldn't recover. I didn't look at any of the analytics on it because, well, I've been barely conscious today, but I don't think the bottom six forwards accounted for a single high-danger scoring chance in the game against Dallas. Not one. I, They were definitely responsible for some against. Uh, although they weren't as big as bad of a train wreck defensively as usual, so that was a plus. Christopher N had a particularly awful game. I don't think he, I think he's been bad. Like, he he's been real bad. Jacob De La Rose rung one off the post. Uh, it was a distant shot that Kadobin probably should have had, but still, hey, positives. Take him where you can get him. Um, yeah, man, I'm glad Blashill's not playing those lines any more than 12 to 13 minutes a game because oh boy. Here's the hard truth. We, we talked about all the good stuff, so I think that we've earned ourselves the opportunity to tell everyone the hard truth here. Um, Mantha, Larkin, Bertuzzi will play as much as possible this year. 20 minutes when they can manage it. It's an 82-game season. It's a long season. They need to be careful not to hurt these guys, and they do need to the, – the minutes will come down as, as the sample size gets bigger. Um, that means more time for guys that aren't Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi. And as injuries happen, that's going to take time away from them. This team will not be winning games. Like Other this. teams are just gonna, you know, eat up 
Larkin yeah. and Mantha and just shut that line down, and they're going to take advantage of the the other three forward lines at some point. They're going to stop playing their Crosby lines against them, and they're going to play their Luke Lindenning lines against them. And sometimes they'll be effective, and sometimes they won't. But if you can even take off a quarter of their ability on the ice, and you're putting your best lines out against what Detroit's putting out right now, there's a reason why we're so high on one line, and the rest of them are just... Eh, they're short Keanu and it's for good reason. And again, like you can't hate on the guys. Luke Lendenning is working his absolute ass off on the second line. He's not a second line winger. Everyone knows he's not a second line winger. He knows it. Jeff Blaschel knows it. Steve Eisman knows it. The fans know it. He's that, working his butt off to keep up and he's doing an okay job. That Nashville snipe looked like a second line snipe. He's good for like four <laughs> or five of those a year. I swear. Just like <laughs> barrels down the wing and just absolutely rips one. He shot it off of UC Saros's head and over his shoulder. That is just a, that's a, a sniper's insult. That was him just walking up to UC and slapping him on the face and kissing him on the cheek and putting the puck in the net. I think that's literally what happened. But no, Luke Lendenning has to keep up on the second line. And anytime that's what you have to do, it's not looking so good. And that's okay. We talked about this. That's okay. Red Wings fans should be excited. No reasonable Red Wings fan was coming into the season and saying, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to make the playoffs. We're going to be competitive. No, obviously, that's not the phase of the rebuild we're in, we're in right now. But we just saw two games in a row. Red Wings fans can look forward to exciting hockey, huge performances from their best players, and they might steal some wins from time to time. And that's great. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've seen at least some inspiring hockey. I'm telling you, like, obviously watching that, you can make that evaluation. But all you had to do is be in the LCA. The feeling, the buzz in there was absolutely wild. When they, Not in the first period, it wasn't. No, the first period we... Before Larkin, Mantha, and Bertuzzi got their crap together. I Didn't I turn to you at one point? I'm like, did we just pay $200 a ticket or whatever it was to watch 60 minutes of Dump and Chase unsuccessfully? We've seen a lot of bad hockey in that building, and I was just so concerned. I, I felt bad for Don and Aditya, who are our, um, our Patreon or our uh, ticket giveaway. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the meetup. Oh, An- we will. We Anthony will. Mantha ruined it. Yeah. We forgot about it. And I looked at them. I was like, I'm so sorry that you guys have to see this. And they were just obviously they were happy to be there. Um, and Dallas played a particularly bad game. Yeah. Three too many men calls. They played. They looked tired. Yeah. They looked really tired and disorganized. Yeah. It was um, Detroit playing the back to back with travel. Come on, Dallas. Didn't they play in St. Louis? Was it the day before? Yeah, it or was. was it You're two right. Two days. No. And they had to play St. Louis with their sweet third jerseys on, which obviously takes it out of you because those jerseys are just absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> well, the Red Wings were in the same boat. Like, yeah. Coming from the same backs. time zone. I just don't But our, ours was a home opener, so our team should play particularly more amped up. I but. think that game was originally scheduled for five, and everyone's like, why'd they move it? I'm like, because they played at 8 p.m. the night before. Yeah. In the central. <clears throat> because scheduling. And the Leafs have played like six games already. <laughs> so stupid. While we're at it, um, we have breaking news. What? Like actual kind of significant news. So no. this might apply. There's no context with this, but this is from Anzar Khan. Red Wings have recalled forwards Evgeny Svechnikov, Ryan Kuffner. What? Defenseman Alex Biega. Yeah. And uh, Oliver Kasky. Uh, Athens CU. Nielsen, Daly, and Erickson all hitting injured reserve. I told you before this episode. I told you before this episode Erickson's going on, on IR. His Daly, inj- Nielsen, and AA, though? Okay. AA was a game-time decision Saturday. Now he's on IR. Let's break this down piece by piece. This is real-time news. This has never happened. I've already retweeted it. Evan, <laughs> tell us. <laughs> I'm retweeting with comments. Um, okay. I was talking before this episode. They are being very cagey about Erickson. 
obviously Erickson's not a huge impact player, so no one's really drilling them about it. But his soft tissue injury has never even looked hopeful for him to be on the ice. Must be a big soft tissue. <laughs> I I genuinely believe we might not see much of Erickson at all this season. I, that, that's just like a, a feeling that I have. He could be back after 20 games or whatever. But I don't think we're going to see much of Erickson. The guy has taken a beating between his hip and I think he had, what, his quad or something once. Hips don't lie either. No, they absolutely do not. And he's like he, – you're a defenseman. You have to play a transition game. His skating has already suffered. I don't think we're going to see a lot of him. Uh, Nielsen got hit in the face with the puck last night. Oh, so something – yeah, because we didn't follow that up. Uh, we <laughs> we didn't notice till the game was almost over. We're like, hey, we haven't seen Daly in about a period and a half. Uh, yeah, you you asked about um, – you asked if he got sad or injured. And then I looked after him like, oh, yeah, he got injured. And – he got injured, and then shortly thereafter, they traded for Biega. Yeah, so they, they must have realized it was pretty bad, or it was because of Erickson. Nielsen, a puck to the face, and then hitting IR means something broke. So, yeah, that's, ugh, rough cat. Rough. I'm hoping not an orbital bone or anything that needs too much surgery. <laughs> he was one of the usable bottom nine guys. Yes. Um, now, the one thing I want to talk about is just immediate reaction here. The guys who were recalled, I think it's pretty telling of what the Red Wings plan is this year. Because we kind of hypothesized this coming out of camp when they sent everybody down. And now they didn't call up Zadina Valeno, Rasmussen, Sider, or any of these guys. Kasky is an older guy they brought over from Europe. Biega's 30. They just traded for him. Svechnikov's older, but probably had the best camp. And Kuffner, again, college for agent, older. They don't want the young guys anywhere near this team no. this year. No. They, this is all about development in Grand Rapids. Not that they didn't deserve it. Svechnikov's probably the air quotations recalled because he earned it. Yeah. But he's still not one of the younger guys down there. So they are. His knee is probably still swollen. Probably. So they are very much beating the development drum this year, which again, I agree with. I'm fine with. But I think, yeah, looking at. The trade for Biega, which we'll talk about soon because we haven't mentioned that yet. And then the other three guys that were recalled. I think that's that part's pretty obvious. Because, again, as much as we like Svechnikov, Kuffner, and Kasky, they're old enough that they're either they are what they are at this point or they're not far from it. Svechnikov, you know, he's not going to be a first-line winger or likely not. Um, he's probably second-line. Why right don't now. we play uh, Washington? I'm not sure. Oh, for the, fight, for the <laughs> yeah. fight. Maybe that's next game. Uh, no, you can look at this as guy. Like, these are all just... Like, Biega is guy. Couple chads. I yeah. mean, Kasky and Svechnikov, I'm intrigued to see. Kasky and Svechnikov right now are interesting guy. Yeah. They could, they could be Kasky and Svechnikov, but right now, it's, it's less... Like you said, it's less about them and more about keeping the young stars. So they need to develop into that second line center and that first or second line winger, they need them to develop this year. And like we said, like we predicted this, putting Valeno and Zadina together, because by all rights, if everything goes well, pie in the sky, they'll be playing together on the second line within a year or two. Yeah. That's what they want from them. So you, you shelter them in Grand Rapids, which again, our next meetup has to be in Grand Rapids. You shelter them in Grand Rapids. You bring up Sveshnikov, who has a little bit more experience, who is older. Kasky, who is you know, who has that experience playing pro hockey in Europe. Um, Kuffner's guy. Biega is guy who they traded for. It makes sense. I do think that's, it's not the prettiest way to run a team. It's going to be a tough year. Sometimes there's going to be some hard games to watch, but it's the best way for their development. The, the trade, you want to talk the trade? I want to, I want to ask one question about one of the guys. Yeah. Uh, recalled. 
we we know what Oliver Kasky's specialty is, and even though the Red Wings are employing three defensemen between their two power play units right now, I don't think he gets on. But with how bad Mike Green's looked the first two games, do you do you pull him off the second unit and put Kasky out there just to see? Do I? Yes. Does Jeff Blashill last season? No, definitely not. This season, honestly, Prob- maybe. Probably not, but maybe. Maybe. There's a chance. In reality, what are we going to see? We're going to see Cholosky lose his power play time. <laughs> like, that's just what's going to happen. Well, here. they can't. They need him to set up Mantha for the dingers, and he's been doing that well. Uh, they can't pull Heronik off because uh, Mantha's been the trigger man for the first unit. Heronik's been the trigger man for the second unit because they don't have a forward capable of that on the second unit right now. Um, yeah. Wow. We were talking about preseason injuries sorting out the log jam problem, but, um, yeah, it just took a couple games. I love that this happened while we recorded. I'm so happy. You know, yeah, we never get breaking news when we're recording. This is a first, um, the, let's talk about the trade David Pope for Biega that dropped last night at like, what was it? 1130 at night. And my yeah. first thought was like, this team cannot make a trade or a move at any decent hour or time of the week. <laughs> and it just continued the tradition. Um, I know some people, a very small group, they love David Pope. Look, David Pope is aggressively guy. <laughs> you look at who's in the pipeline for the Red Wings, there's 10 forwards ahead of him. It's fine that we lost David Pope. I wish him all the best. Maybe he'll get a shot in Vancouver. Um, Biega is not, he's not a needle mover. Let's just say this now. He's not going to break the world. From everything I've been able to gather, he's been able to play good defense because he busts his butt and he hustles. So essentially, we're getting bigger Joe Hicketts. I don't even know that he's bigger. I'm just assuming. Canucks fans love the guy. They call him Bulldog. Um, yeah. You look. I, I I quickly was able to look at some of his like underlying numbers this morning before I uh, just lost the will to live. Um, he makes no strong impacts one way or the other. No. So take that at what you will. He's not an impact player offensively, but he's also appears to not be a liability defensively. So, uh, yeah, definitely guy. By the way, I cannot wait now. All I want is the Red Wings to have a French Canadian plug on the fourth line because we need a gi. <laughs> because we, who do we take that bit from Steve? We took that bit from Steve, and that's just a funny evolution. Yeah, we need, um, we need a gi. Yeah, for those of you who are, who are wondering who Alex Biega is, he's he's 31 years old. He's played a ton of AHL minutes. He's played like I, I don't know 70 NHL games or something like that. Oh, he's also 5'10". It's essentially Joe Hicketts. They've essentially just got themselves Joe Hicketts. So it's not – he's there to be a body. Daly went down. Uh, Erickson went down. They obviously don't want to be calling up a ton of guys from from Grand Rapids. They just needed a body and a depth trade where they lose essentially not nothing of value from their pipeline is exactly the way to do it. Sveshnikov being called up is very exciting. I'm happy he came up sooner. Um, he has a chance to make an impact on that second and third line because right now – they're struggling and they're only going to struggle more without Nielsen. I don't think Nielsen wasn't playing extremely well, of course, but like Brad mentioned, we needed the Red Wings needed him to be serviceable and you lose that serviceability when you lose like one of the only two talented, like or remotely talented players in the line. So Phil Pilo will definitely be the center on that line and Sveshnikov will be on the wing. And he should get a ton of a good chance to play a ton of minutes because who else are we parading out there oh, after the first line? So he else? should get a very good sniff, I would think. Well, yeah. Nielsen's spot on the second power play unit's now available. You know what's sad that I if they just went Heronic Green and Kasky on that unit, 
Don't, we're not. <laughs> I mean, teams put out four forwards and one defenseman. We got <laughs> five out there. I mean, who else is going to go on that? Who's going to replace Nielsen? Because Adam Ernie's already on it. It's Svechnikov's probably getting power play time now. As Con- he should. Congrats, buddy. Uh, Ernie is another player who I thought had good moments and bad moments first two games. Man, he is. He is. Um, well, I'll call him Guy Plus. I'm. I'm not making any de- like too many declarations on the Ernie's the Nemeths because or the Nemeths because it's so early. It's two games. They didn't make huge impacts like the first line did or Heronic did. He's got good energy. I noticed that last night. He he really can get oh. into the the dirty areas. He has literally zero hands. He has uh, negative hands. He, he owes the team the hockey world hands. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's that bad. It's not that bad, but no, like as, from a puck moving standpoint too, there was a few pretty obvious seams that opened up for him that he, he the ice a little bit. that he just didn't take. Yeah. I'm like, man, it's there. Make it. So again, is he an upgrade over Helm Abdelkader and those guys? Uh, clearly. Yes. yes he, was, he was definitely sure. better than them. Um, but that whole, when we made the trade, a lot of uh, running Twitter, maybe he's a second line winger. He is not. He is very much not. Yeah. Third line winger is, Still optimistic at this point. The jury is out now on this team. Second line, maybe. But right now, he's going to be a third line winger, whether he deserves it or not. Yeah. So uh, just my quick aside on Ernie. Like, I don't hate him, but also let's keep expectations realistic here. All right. I just want to squeeze the last little bit of juice we can get out of this live news because I know the next time it's going to happen is like 2022. Uh, the trade uh, Pope for Biega doesn't move the needle. If you have mm-hmm. strong feelings about it, I'm telling you it's not worth your time. It's just a warm body. Um, calling up Svechnikov. Good. They get, he gets his look. He probably slots in. And, you know, losing Nielsen's not good for this team. But at the same time, <laughs> it doesn't change much about this team's trajectory. So at least we get a good look at Nielsen or uh, Svechnikov. Um, Kasky, same deal. He's a defensive liability who with a, a very intriguing offensive talent. It's cool that he gets his look. Maybe he's super effective on the This is exactly what a team who's rebuilding should be doing. Absolutely. Giving sniffs and swings to everybody. This is when we talk about like Lions fans drinking the Kool-Aid. This is how you're supposed to drink the Kool-Aid. Like we're not saying like these guys are going to win us the cup, but there is reason to be happy and optimistic and make the most of this. We're going to have a fun season. Damn it. Uh, Kuffner is. Yeah. You know what? Great. Uh, Happy. He's not going to move the needle one way or the other. And yeah, Biega. We already talked about Biega. Kuffner, shooter on the power play guy. You really? I mean, who the hell else are you yeah. putting on that left half dot? Yeah, that's there's second nobody. Unit bad. That's that second <laughs> it unit. It was hurt to Nielsen, watch. Ryan. That second unit dumped it in on the power play so many times. I actually was pulling my hair out. I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. That power play <laughs> Two unit. Games in heaven. <laughs> I, I, honest, they have never carried the puck in over the blue line. And when they got it in, their play. Their one play was rimming it around the boards to each other. I love that. It just turned oh into a, my god. The period was dump and chase, lose the puck, dump and chase, lose the puck, dump and chase, win the puck, cycle, lose the puck, dump and chase. <laughs> Any team that has half decent skating defensemen will eat that puck every time, and they're back out of their own zone, no yeah. problem. I, I think Max and Prashanth were talking today about how maybe they just keep Mantha on the ice for the full two minutes a la Ovechkin and then I think Max had the appropriate retort was like well just leave the top unit out there for like a buck and a half a buck 40 give that second unit 20 seconds analytics legitimately demonstrates that you should leave your first line power play on for as long as you humanly can yeah because the the loss that you get by making them more tired you get so much more value just think about it this way what's more valuable for for a good first line power play time or five on five time 
Power play time. So you're trading off five on five time after the power play because they're a little winded, but you double your power play time. You take that deal every time. Why are you not doing it? And what is more strenuous on your body, five on five or power play? Five on five. Perfect. It's such a simple solution, and it's so funny that we need numbers to tell us this because it makes so much sense. Also, you know what a great time to make that decision is? When your second line power play is actually worse than just putting no one out. Not actually. That's dramatic and rude, and I'm sorry to those players, but it's such a big I, drop I, I hear the argument. I'll hear the argument. <laughs> uh, Philip Hironik gave them a couple shots on net, and outside of him, that unit was atrocious. Yeah, he was handing out free haircuts last night. Oh, my yeah. God. Bertuzzi <laughs> launched one into space. I was like, I ducked. <laughs> Um, no, the second unit was just such a big drop off. I'm like, just keep the first unit out there. I literally, as long as you can, if you, years, if they, if they have to go back and go in transition, Larkin's a great skater. If you just map out a like 20 square foot area on the ice and say, Mantha, just glide in this area. We don't even want you skating, buddy. Save your energy. It's an upgrade. <laughs> just stand there. Legitimately give Mantha say, no, Larkin and Bertuzzi will do the retrieval. Mantha coast this is your one time to coast all you're coasting the game do it on the power play you know how, how happy he'd be if you want to swap out chaloski for heronic just to give one of them a breather fine sure yeah whatever fine. or heronic for herosi and put green out there and sure yeah but the yeah you keep the dingers out there um okay let's talk about the the meetup can we talk about the game one last thing yeah we lost that eric cole trade 100 percent oh rupe hints is sick yeah Rupe hints. Well, we knew that last year. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Yeah, want- but now that I've seen him play in real life, he is sick. Yeah, yeah. That's was- a dope name. I, yeah. Ever since Detroit lost Marty Furk, they've had a ba- they've had a lack of dope name, and Rupe hints is like top tier. It's up yeah. there. Yeah, Rupe hints is like very good to elite tier name. I think. Do we have any good Great names? Great flow too. Do we yeah. have any good names coming up through the system that I'm forgetting? Master Simone's pretty good. Master Simone's sweet. I honestly like Zadina. I think that's a great hockey name. Tuo Misto sounds fun. Tuo Misto sounds Finnish as hell. Yeah. I'm yeah, Finns it. always have really fun names. They do. We had, remember, we had the Poo Cannon for a while. Yeah, UC, Pekka, Lassie. That's why my stock, the stocks and glass has gone down because we don't have Pulkin in anymore. <laughs> Evan's broken me because now every time I hear the name Peck, I'm just thinking soft tissue injury. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about the meetup. Uh, as you guys, for those of you who have been listening for a while, you'll know this, but for new listeners, you'll know that uh, at least twice a year we do meetups and our biggest ones are obviously the home opener in the last game of the year uh, in Detroit. Um, the home opener meetup obviously gets is our biggest draw. That's the big one because everybody's still happy and optimistic. Evan, uh, at the start of the last episode, had this moment of like pure euphoria, which kind of blew us all away, um, where he talked about how excited he was. And he talked about how that meetup like gives us the energy and the life to do this podcast. Like it just really ties things together for us. Like we obviously love doing this. We get to talk hockey and we've made it like. I don't feel that energy today. That's for sure. No, but tomorrow I will. Meeting everyone there. Meeting everyone there and just talking to you guys and seeing the turnout is legitimately the best feeling in the world. We just like ride that mm-hmm. high all season long. We had over a hundred of you. Come there on. were so many of you. We it, actually stopped counting at a hundred. It's it's great to meet and talk to people, and that's that's fantastic. But for me, my favorite part is seeing listeners interact with each other. They yeah. don't know who any of these the, these random people are. They. Only know us because they listen to the podcast, but it's it's great when they you know they talk to us. It's great, um, but seeing them you know just be like oh like just start shooting the shit about hockey with each other. That's probably my favorite. It was part. like when Sarah met Marissa. I'm like the memes per sixty, and that gathering was mega high. We met Red Wings five ever in person. We met Helmeroids. 
in person our yeah our meme like honestly our talent meet like our meme talent just increased just by being in their proximity no it was so cool to meet everyone patrons fans listeners people have been listening from uh there's a dina draft people have been listening from day one like we see justin kalinsky there it's just so cool to see everyone um i wish i was better with names i'm great with faces i am awful with names it's just uh, it i can't even articulate how much i appreciate and love each and every one of you you guys make this show happen very obviously this is a show that's run by three guys it, that's that's what this show guys, boils down to like true definition of guys yeah just guy. we are guys we are guy uh and we grew like we we've had to work our butts off to grow the show to where it is and you know what's made it the biggest red wings podcast on the air is you guys you guys who show up to the meetup you guys who listen to us every week you guys who who support us by you know telling your friends wearing the shirts um supporting us on patreon just listening there was families there like there was a dad with his two sons there was another uh, i think it was what was it dad brother cousin something like that it was meeting meeting aditya aditya who uh flew back early from vegas because he was one of the ticket winners oh jeez don came in from nebraska nebraska to come to because he was one of the ticket winners um i'm going to show it on a future episode but he brought us this extremely cool well that'll probably be in the background of a lot of future episodes yes uh wood carving of gordy house signature um which i want you i'm gonna promote this and i want you guys to take a look at his site because it's always it's for a very fantastic cause he's selling these things but it's just we were driving home and mel was just sitting there smiling at me because she knew how happy i was we're we are we are exhausted. Our voices hurt. We can't speak anymore. We can hardly move. We're just like pouring beer down our stupid throats at that point, which like we shouldn't be. Yeah. Oh, that, that did nothing to help how much my no. throat hurt by the end of the night. And we are just all smiles. Like, oh, who did we? <laughs> Funny story. We were leaving the arena. Oh, yeah. Your nearly racist moment. <laughs> and a guy looks at me and he points at me. He goes, I know you from somewhere. And we have our wing wheel podcast shirts on. And I was like, oh, this is a listener of the podcast. And I go to shake his hand. And he's like. You're a brown coat. And for a hot second, I saw this like built guy, just like, he- like full beard, just looks like he could he, break me in half. He was Luke Witkowski's brother. Yeah. What they, is a brown coat? It's from, like- it's from Firefly. It's from the show Firefly. Oh, that's why I don't get it. And I was like, oh yeah. And he quoted Firefly after. I was like, yeah, Firefly. I love that show. But I looked, I was like, I don't have any Firefly stuff on. I was like, and then my, my brain went, okay, someone made a Firefly comment on like overtime years ago, but that can't be this. And then he's like, where do I know you from? And then he looked away from me with the podcast shirt on and looked at Brad, who just had a jersey on. And he went, the dub dub. <laughs> and I went, oh, thank God. I thought he was going to strike me. I thought he was going to break my jaw. Yeah, generally the rule down down Detroit is don't re- answer the people who are screaming at you. Yeah, he pointed at me and said, Brown. I went, oh, here we go again. <laughs> no, that was uh, Joey Velcro. A uh, long-time listener of the show, and it was very cool to meet him in person. Yeah, just outside of some dive bar near the arena, too. The setting was perfect for that interaction. Yeah, I we love doing that. We can't wait to do more meetups this year. We're going to go to more games. We've loved that we've pound, uh, partnered with uh, Founders Taproom Detroit. Um, we're going to have plenty more meetups in Detroit, but a yeah. future meetup is coming in Grand Rapids. We absolutely are, we are doing do that. that. Probably not until the new year, but we're going to. Founders asked us to do more events, so they literally went out of their way to make sure we do this more. Yeah. So expect more of that. So thank you guys, because you made a really good impression. Yeah. So go down to Grand Rapids early in the season so I can get some golf in. Yeah. Like we're going to facilitate more golf for you, Evan. I haven't played in like 
No, 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 we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Yeah, no. It's October, Evan. It's not impressive. You haven't golfed. I haven't played since the weekend, like September eighth, I think. You golfed in September. That's not. I should be still out there. Great weather right now. Evan is a man with a full time, a whole full time job. And is a host of a successful podcast, and he sits there and goes, how is all my time going away? He just can't fathom where his time is going. I, I'm angry at the office, and I'm angry out on the golf course. That's <laughs> just my life. Just just smashing off the tee with the anger he gets. Oh, my God. he's. We could go to a Griffins playoff game. We could go to a Griffins playoff game. Yeah, if game. it's in June, the golf course should be open. I hope we didn't just jinx the Griffins. Yeah, they're going, well. They're they're one and zero right now. Yeah, the the uh, AHL is funky. Land the parade. Um, that was a long episode. Main part about just the Red Wings, but I think Jesus. that's what we had to after that home opener. After those first two games, we are a Red yeah. Wings podcast. So if you're a non Red Wings fan listening to this episode, we're sorry. Oh, and we have a healthy overtime. It, Mantha oh, was boy. the the last player to get a natural hat trick for the Red Wings was Henrik Zetterberg, I think. Was it? Was it? In 2008. That was a natural four goals for Mantha. I don't no, know if that's ever... Dallas had one in between the third and fourth. Doesn't natural only imply that only your own? Uh, no. Nope. Straight okay. up. Mantha had a natural, a true natural hat trick. Dallas Stupid scored and then, then he got his fourth. Yeah. He was the first uh, Red Wing to score four goals since Johan Frenzen had five against Ottawa in 2011. There was some. There was another crazy stat about the four goal home opener, but I can't remember what it was, and it was something something that hadn't been done in a long time. He was the first Red Wing to score four in the home opener since I think it was nineteen thirty three. That was it, mind you. That just seemed. I'm. I was actually more surprised that had ever actually happened before. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> to be honest, well, winning your original six team, almost everything has happened at least once. Because based on the last four goal game for the Red Wings. It was eight years ago, so you gotta think there's only yeah. one home opener a year, and if they're getting four goals a game every eight years, yeah, it's not likely to ever fall in the home opener. So that was nice. Yeah. Crazy. Right. We have twenty nine Patreon comments. Uh, oh Jesus Christ. This uh, might take as long we as we love drive you home all last night. Yeah. We are going to uh, head over to Overtime, which, of course, is uh, brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Um, they're the people who make this show happen. They allow us to do what we uh, need to do to put out the best show possible for you, including YouTube. Hello, YouTube. Evan, show them the front of your face. There it is. That's your once this episode. Uh, we're going to start with Alex Zuko. He says, good morning, gents. Sad to miss out on the Dub Dub meetup at Founders this weekend, but I imagine it was a raucous occasion. Uh, my question is, what... Uh, what you see the trade value of the few remaining experienced assets left. Daly and Erickson are probably just throw-ins that could be that could net a very late round pick, but I'm curious of what you think of Green, Howard, and even guys with two years left like Glendening and Helm. Uh, not expecting much, but more picks are always a good thing. Thanks, guys. If I had generalized, not one of them is worth more than a third round pick, and even that's optimistic on some of them. The only guys who I think at this point get a third round pick are maybe Glendening and Howard. Uh, the way Green's played the first two games, his return... Might isn't going to be great, but he has the highest potential to maybe get up to a second round pick. Everybody else is of no significant consequence. Uh, yeah, Glenn Denning, I think, might have a lot more value, but they might be wary to part of him, part with him. Yeah, uh, you K- still need guys to fill out the roster. Kaylin Wood says, "Wow, I can't imagine how fun must how fun that game must have been to be at in person. So jealous. Big Tony packing the nets with the spicy meatballs. Uh, that first power play one timer looked like a how to do a one timer simulation." What was the worst jersey foul you saw? This is one of my favorite activities at a hockey game behind uh, beer, a hot dog with only mustard, and, well, the hockey part. Picking out a random stranger and hating them immediately and forever based only on outside appearance. 
It's usually a Patrick Kane knockoff sweater in which no team affiliated with Chicago is playing. Getting mad just thinking about it. Anyways, hope you had fun. I'm planning on making the trip next year. Cheers, cheese bags. I actually did see a Patrick Kane Hawks jersey there. That's that's bad. That's the that was the jersey, but that was my answer before you gave the the example. There was one, and it was the black outdoor one, which. I don't know if that makes it better or worse or doesn't matter, but I saw it. It was there. I think this is funny, um, but I think it counts as a jersey foul. It was the 2010 Canada Olympic jersey, customized to say happy, and the number was 420. That's amazing. It's hilarious. (laughs) That is amazing. It's hilarious, but at the same time, that's such a beautiful jersey. Why not just get like a Doughty or like a Crosby or like a (laughs) Ginla? I don't think I I can't even really remember any bad ones. I think I saw a really bad knockoff Iserman jersey last night. The number had like the numbers had like flames on them for some reason. I don't like that. Oh man, it's that's a PT cruiser of jerseys. Yeah, I just uh, not that I don't think I saw one last night. But you know those black Walmart knockoffs that every NHL team has, including Detroit. Black Walmart? Like they sell them at Walmart. They're like they don't look like the Red Wings jersey, other than they have the Red Wings logo, and then it's just some black jersey with whatever red design. So it's like a practice jersey, kind of. But they, it's made to look like an action. I hate those with a passion. Yeah, nobody should own those. Go on AliExpress. Yeah, no free ads. Philip Gasno says, wow, when I heard you guys give your sponsor spiel, I got pretty giddy. You guys deserve it. It's been fun watching this thing grow. I'm so happy for you guys. I'm proud of you guys. Hey, thanks, Philip. That means a lot, man. No. Uh, also, the amount of respect and support you guys showed Max and Prashanth when they wanted to make their own podcast was very professional and quite amazing. I'm sure I speak on behalf of the most uh, most of the fan base when I say we look forward to supporting both podcasts and will always be loyal to the dub dub. You guys are a true class act. Philip. That's one of the nicest things anyone's ever said, and that genuinely means so so much to us. Um, yeah, we love yeah. we love Max and Prashant. We're still awaiting our invite for a guest appearance, guys. Yeah, you know, just just throwing that out there. <laughs> Do you really think they listened this far in the episode? Absolutely not. No, they they tuned off as soon as we broke the trade. They're we like, le- "Yep, thanks for the info. Bye." We legitimately like those are our buddies. Like we have a group chat with them. So yeah. um, very excited for them. Apparently, I found out I have far less free time than the three of you because how, the number of times I've opened my phone up to you have 75 unread messages. And yeah. I'm like, what? How? Why? Uh, Matthew Tangsrud says, hey, guys, uh, sounds like the get together at Founders was a blast. Wish I could have had uh, wish I could have been there. But the Disney World trip in January is more important. Uh, hope to be able to go next year. Fun question. What is your first piece of hockey apparel? Either a jersey, hat, shirt, etc. Mine was a Florida Panthers starters, starter jacket. The kids at school made fun of me for it. Then the Panthers made it to the cup final a month or two later. So I got the last laugh. Been a Panthers sympathizer since. Is that your phone, your computer that's or a laptop. plane taking off? Yeah, that's my laptop. I have no idea. Are you showing that. us a picture? No, I'm oh. trying to. Yeah, that's what I thought. He picked it up. And yeah, I was, like, I was right. starting like, to lean over. I thought we were going to see the Florida starter jacket, and I'm not. No. I'm a little upset now. I uh, love seeing Mantha become the scoring power forward that dominated juniors. However, I can see the production becoming more difficult as teams start to key in on him. But 30 plus goals is a must now, given the hot start. Later, guys. Look forward to you reading Rowan's comment. Oh boy. Uh, Tony Hatcher says glad I was able to make the meetup event I had a great time and was stoked to uh, to be able to grab a dub dub shirt it was a great turnout and I was proud of you guys but I definitely didn't envy you as I find hosting anything myself exhausting Brad and Ryan I appreciate you guys making the effort to engage everyone and taking the time to come over and talk to us Evan didn't get a chance to talk to you but as someone with very limited social battery myself I appreciated that you looked comfortable at your table (laughs) (laughs) I was dying that was the most most friendly insult you've ever received I don't even care I can't defend myself
myself. I'm so tired. I want to <laughs> give a quick shout out to Drew and Kylie Antonetta. Uh, and I had a blast hanging out with you too. We'll have, uh, we'll have to get into some f- good food together next time. You guys really made the event for her as she is, uh, is a wings fan, but isn't a listener and would have gotten bored fast. Hope you have a great time in Thailand. Ryan looks like your prediction of starting off the season on a hot streak is coming true. Here's to extending it. If it runs out a number of games, I don't want to hear anyone complaining about draft positions. It's a long season and we have to enjoy the good hockey while we have it. Well said. Thanks again for Who's hosting going to Thailand. The, uh, the friends they made at the oh. meetup. Uh, it's a long season and we have to, oh yeah, I said that. Thanks again for hosting the event. Can't wait till the next one. I'll make sure to take the following day off so I can actually go to the game when it comes around. Uh, Hassam Al-Kassem says, Hey, Dub Dub, the meetup was fantastic. It was great meeting all of you. It was also surreal seeing the people behind the voices in person, getting to meet fellow Dub Dub listeners and Max was really cool. And then topping the night with Mantha's four goal game, of course, still undefeated in the Eisenman era. No question this week, more of a request. Brad, post the picture of your McDavid and you hockey card. Okay, I'll uh, when I get a chance, I'll scan the copy that I have and I'll throw it up. Uh, Cameron Brown says, well, that was fun, wasn't it? Uh, so glad to get to meet you guys. Uh, just wish I could have made the meetup. And after talking trash about the team in the first intermission, boy, was it great to watch Mantha dragging the rotting corpse of this team to a win. Really glad I waited to buy a hat until later. <laughs> <laughs> Holy frick, what a game. But unfortunately, that wasn't the end of the night. Made the four-ish hour drive home thanks to lots of coffee and music. But about 10 miles from home, it sounds like I blew a tire. Great. I go out to look and see no flat, but three of the wheel bolts sheared and all of the lug nuts gone. Jeez. So in, bit of a go- in a bit of a cold drizzle at 2.30 in the morning, I had to steal nuts from the other wheels, only two of which actually worked, and limped home in time to get to bed at 3.30 for work this morning. Still worth it, though. This might be the last game I see live for a while since I'm moving in a month or two. Well, good luck with the move, man. Uh, Cyril uh, Rubicki says, Anthony Furkin Mantha, indeed. Fingers crossed you can stay healthy this year and maybe 40-plus goals isn't as crazy as it sounded a week ago. It seems that the only above-average NHL forwards we have at this point are the big four of Larkin, Mantha, and Bertuzzi, and Athanasiu, of course. Uh, last year, they scored just under 50% of Detroit's goals. I wonder if you think that percentage will go up, down, or stay the same this year. Oh, it's going up. Up. Uh, so far, they have eight of Detroit's nine goals, and it's looking like it might go way up barring injury or one of the young guns in Grand Rapids coming up and getting hot for an extended period of time. Congrats on the new sponsor and a successful meetup to start the new season. Joe Falzone says, congrats on the sponsor, boys. Hopefully, the rest of the lineup can be filled out with AAs, Rasmussen, and Svechnikovs. Otherwise, oof. Who would you like to see them play with? Um, so the Svechnikov news is great. Athanasiu, I hope he comes back so we can actually play with Hiroshi. Um yeah, my second line right now is probably Hiroshi, Glendening, and Svechnikov. Yeah. It's not going to be a good line, but it'll be a fun line. Uh, just Your Average Tej says, Well, guys, awesome to see you at the meetup and give you the Stay Fresh cheese bag. Hopefully someone someday will be able to make it better than I. We're going to show off all the cool things that you guys brought up at the meetup in the next episode. My only question is, if they didn't give Larks the C at home opener, do you truly think they'll go all the season without giving him one? Yeah. Yes, and I hate it. I hate it so much. Uh, Antonio Lupu says, Hey guys, I'm surprised you didn't butcher my name too much. Uh, this is my first comment, and all I have to say is Anthony Firkin Mantha. What hot take? 45 goals? The man is angry you thought so little of him. He's going for the Ovechkin crown. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Hannah Lee says, this is Mantha's ear for sure. I just want to thank you guys for doing the podcast. I was just out of country on a family emergency that didn't go well. I'm sorry to hear, Hannah. Um, your podcast helped me immensely. It gave me something to listen to when my world was very dark. Unfortunately, my wife wasn't able to go with me. Uh, and with the time difference, I didn't have many people to talk to. All three of you helped so much by just doing the show. We want 
we want this show to be like you guys talking hockey with your friends. So that means a lot to us. And um, we're all really sorry to hear uh, that you went through a tough time. And hopefully things um, turn around for you. Uh, I think the Eisenman, I think with Eisenman at the helm now, Blashill gets uh, a new set of eyes and another chance. I would love to see the coach. Everyone says he is. My next jersey is Mantha. I was leading Larkin or Bertuzzi, but I think I need to go with Mantha. It's ridiculous that Larkin doesn't have the C. He can handle the pressure. Again, thanks for everything you do. I hope you do an end-of-season get-together so I can fly out to Detroit. If any Winged Wheel podcast fans are going to the Wings-Canucks game next week in Vancouver and would like to grab a beer or meet at the game, let me know. Yeah, go message Hannah. Nick says, hey there, dud duds. What a start, eh? I know there will be loads of Larkin, Mantha, and Bertuzzi talks. So let me ask something that hasn't gotten too much attention yet. The Wings drafted Cooper Moore in the fifth round in this past draft, and he's having a good start to his D-plus-1 season in the BCHL, which is a pretty good league. To this point, he has seven goals. He leads all defensemen and nine points through 12 games. Given that there just wasn't that there wasn't that much information on him coming out of U.S. high school prep league, how significant of a start is this? In Cholosky's draft season, almost exactly one year younger, he put up 40 points in 50 games, his second season in the BCHL. Seems good for a fifth-round pick in his first dozen games of junior A. It's good. Uh, again, like you said, Cholosky was younger, so he does have the advantage of being an, air quotations, older player in the league. But when you're an older player in a league like that, you expect to dominate. So when they do, it's a great sign. Same thing with Tuomisto in the Finnish Junior League right now. Yeah, Cooper Moore was very much an unknown. Um, and we learned that the uh, Red Wings scouting team was basically banging the table to take him. So they very obviously saw something that other teams didn't. They took a chance on him, so that's a huge start. That's exactly what you want to see on a guy they took a flyer on. Liz B says, before the season started, I figured Mantha would get 35 to 40 goals. Now, even though it's only two, been two games, him getting 50 or at least close wouldn't surprise me. It's a contract year for him. Some crazy stuff can happen in contract years. 85% of Detroit's wins this season will be solely because of that top line. All of that is correct. 85% that low. Yeah. This is the most full I've seen the LCA since it's been opened and the loudest. So I'm going to my seat. I start to walk up the stairs, look up, and Lidstrom was coming down the stairs. That was not something I was expecting to see yesterday. I'm not sure what he was doing in the upper bowl, but it took me a few minutes to process that just happened. Um, I had fallen down the stairs. We, yeah, we walked past Nick a few times while he was doing interviews and like being escorted around the arena and stuff. It was... I was randomly standing next to Marty Turco in the concourse. <laughs> we pa- we walked past Thomas Holmstrom, didn't even realize it. I did. Immediately, yeah. I said, that's Thomas Holmstrom. And you guys just kept walking, talking about whatever thing yeah, I'm you not guys that... came to your mouth. I'm not that guy that stops and, and bothers these guys when I see them in public. I try to not be Oh, you can guy. still recognize who they are. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, we also drove past Corey Perry. Yeah, cars. on the way in there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Garrett TV says hockey amigos please tell me how to feel right now it was a stellar opening weekend but I realize not all days will feel like this we know there's not much beyond our top line and top pairing but it's still uh, still good to find the positives surely by this point in the pod you've covered a lot of ground on highs and lows on the from the weekend so just tell me how to feel about our hockey team otherwise I'm letting Jesus aka our top line take the wheel for now let's go Red Wings just enjoy it when it happens enjoy the highs don't worry too much about the lows it's all part of the process I like unironically trust the process we should play that that section of the podcast back, and when in like three months we're in a pit of misery and yes. we're dying, yes. force ourselves to listen to it. Yes, uh, Hunter Saunders says, "Well, it, it appears Mantha isn't friends with Lafreniere uh, since he's going to score our way to eighty-two and zero. Apparently, there can only be one French star winger on the team. Also, the other three lines are hard to watch. Grand Rapids was fun to watch. Also, it appears not all of us had uh, as of yet onto the rest of the season." Justin Kalinsky says, sup lads, uh, I was finally able, I was happy to finally be able to have a conversation with Evan at all. It was great to be, to put a person, 
uh, behind the Twitter handle. Also, when a guest asks you to put the Packers game on, do it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> couldn't. They uh, canceled the Packers. Uh, uh, we were too busy keeping up with the Bills game. Sorry. P.S. I didn't grab the mug that I've won, and I'm sending Roan to Canada to retrieve my prize. All right. He can grab it from me. Uh, Matt Benson says, great meeting all of you at Founders. Sorry I kept flirting with Evan, although I think my girlfriend nailed the Property Brothers comparison. You do look yeah, like that. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> That was funny. Next time I'll grow my beard out a little bit more. It was a fun party and a great game. Great great to meet all you guys, hosts and fellow fans alike. It was great meeting you, Matt, and thank you so much for becoming a patron. That means a lot to us, man. Uh, Evan Beckner says, it was great meeting you guys in person again. Founders is a great spot, and it looked like everyone was having a great time. Despite the weekend's amazing performances, I still don't see the Wings making a solid playoff push. But is it possible the top line pulls us out of a bottom five finish? Maybe, actually. If there's ever a top line that could do it, it's this one for Detroit. They stood toe-to-toe with two of the supposedly best teams in the West. Thanks for the great content every week. This is Anthony Memphis' world. We're only living in it. Mike Reed says, what a game for each of you guys to attend. I jumped off the couch on all of these goals. The young guys are so exciting to watch. They're turning into leaders right in front of us. I think this is a good time to note that it wasn't too long ago that many people questioned Mantha's ability to be an impact player in this league, much like the current panic on Zadina. Development takes time, and it took Mo years. Now look at him. He looks like a frickin' beast out there. He looks like he's figured out exactly what he can and can't do, and he's completely at home, looking confident as ever, undefeated in the Eisenman era, planned the parade. <laughs> uh, I'll call this ero- hashtag erotic for Mantha. Um, KWAS says, hey, broskies, uh, holy frick, rip, Marty Furk. Uh, Mantha, what a start for the top line, and they look like a legit top NHL line. With Trevor, with Trevor Daly out, who do you think will replace his minutes the, minutes the most? Bowie. Life note, the new plane I'm learning is fun. Jets are fast, that is all. <laughs> Don Mitchell says, hey guys, I'm dead tired, but I'm back in the good life in Nebraska and I'm home from the meetup in game last night. What a game. Did anyone catch the Daly and Nielsen injuries? They were so invisible during the game that I didn't realize they got hurt. Is that in poor taste? Uh, no, I mean, they're not exactly impact guys, so it took a while for people well, to even catch on that Daly wasn't there. We noticed Nielsen's, couldn't miss that one. Yeah, he took a puck to the face. face. I want to once again sincerely thank each and every one of your lovely lady people. You're all more than welcoming and nice to a complete stranger. Uh, five out of five stars will recommend. Never expected to have an opportunity like this, and the meetup in game did not disappoint in the slightest. They say not to meet your heroes, but I'm sure Eisman will be a nice guy once I meet him. What? Thought I was talking about you three? <laughs> no real question today. Let's just enjoy this elite first line line's production before the wheels fall off and the team comes crashing down to reality. Thank you so much, Don. Joseph Fournier says, hey, fellas, I swear I tried my damned best to get to Detroit for the home opener and present you with a carton of cheese bags. Luckily, Teej came through. By the time I find out my time, reco- time off request was granted, flight prices out of New York doubled. I looked into the train tickets, the skip lagged app, taking a bus overnight, even renting a car and driving overnight and attending on no sleep. Alas, to no avail. I'm glad you all had a great time. So season finale party? Oh, yeah, that's a staple in our year. There's no way we're not doing that. Uh, if Evan is there, I need a Clash of Clans advice for attacking with my newly upgraded Town Hall 11 army. The Eagle Artilleries are killing my troops. Gotta freeze the Eagle Artillery. I can't believe you actually answered that question. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk briefly about the Alex Biega trade, if you fellows haven't already. My apologies if you have, but I want to clear this up. There's some Twitter comments about why Eisenman didn't claim Biega when he was on waivers on October 1st. The thing about preseason waivers is that every team has players going down, putting in a bunch of waiver claims, uses up a team's available contracts, and makes it almost impossible to be able to bring in mid-to-late season free agents like Kufner and Hiroshi. That's why few uh, waiver claims are made at the beginning. 
trading contracts give a, gives a GM that roster flexibility. Although I like David Pope and was hoping to see him develop into a power forward, he's already 25 and has uh, appeared to hit his developmental ceiling. Viega is a versatile seventh defenseman and a great locker room presence. Uh, I bet he'll be the first call up on defense. This trade tells me that the organization wants the current young D Corp in Grand Rapids to continue developing. Um, you got ahead of yourself here because the news broke while we were talking. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah. Um, enjoy the hot takes on Mantha's projected four four hundred ten goal season. Should be some good hockey team from our or should be some good hockey team from our top line until the team regresses to the mean. Safe Fresh Cheese Bags, official sponsor of memeing WWP hosts on Twitter, and the Dylan Larkin butt memes are gold. Joshua Bazura says, Me, Ryan, me love Mantha, doy dur. Which is essentially all I was saying yesterday. <laughs> wow, boys, what a game. Had a great time at the meetup. Evan was in the middle of a convo when I walked up and Brad was arresting someone for taking too many stickers, I think. But very glad I made it. Um, anyway, now is the time to speculate about trade deadline moves, right? I was just sitting around and thinking about it and came up with something that I didn't think is too outlandish. Trade Howard probably to Calgary for two seconds. Take one of those seconds and send it. Mike Green and Luke Glendening over to Toronto for their first... I think it would have to be the following years they wouldn't do that. Uh, and a third, maybe. We all know how much Bla- uh, Blashill or Babcock loves Glennie, and I can see them having use for Green on the third pair, maybe second power play unit. Anyways, didn't put too much thought into it, so I was just wondering your guys' take on it. Go Wings. Uh, Howard won't get two seconds, and Toronto is not giving up multiple. Like, they've already given up their first-round pick for this coming year, so can't see them eager. I could definitely still see Glenn Denning going. <laughs> Yeah. to Toronto. I don't think that one's going to die until his contract expires, but... Uh, yeah. Stone Turkey wants us to please read this with our best Canadian accents. Oh boy, what a home opener, eh? Warms my heart that you boys were able... Uh, oh, just that line. Warms my heart that you boys were there with the Dub Dub clan to witness our man, Manthony Mantha, man. Handled the stars, don't you know? Oh, the whole thing is Canadian, yeah. You bet your butts he's going to score north at 35 this season if he stays healthy. Uh, thanks as always for the great content, boys. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Uh, Rowan says, good day, Dud Duds. was cool to briefly FaceTime in and meet, kind of meet people without having to actually meet them. You know what's coming next, though, don't you? This is a bit interactive, so Ryan, you read, and Brad answer when asked. The scene is a courtroom. The magistrate enters, takes their seat, and advises the trial will begin shortly. The jury is reminded to be silent at all times, the magistrate booms. The people versus Brad Crisco. The charge is the second count of treasonous behavior. Mr. Crisco, how do you plead? Oh, yeah. Uh, I plead that. Thank you for reminding me to set my Instagram and Facebook to private. <laughs> Very well. The trial begins. The prosecution <laughs> may begin their opening statement. Thank you, Your Honor. Our case rests on overwhelming evidence to the effect that the defendant is not only a cop, but an undercover cop who's clearly guilty of treason. We would like to submit uh, admit Exhibit A into the evidence. As you can see, this is time-stamped an undoctored photo that clearly shows the defendant wearing a Dallas Stars jersey with another Dallas Stars Erickson jersey hanging on the wall. The finger guns gesture is clearly a threat. Oh, uh, for what it's worth, someone actually pointed out that the one on the wall was a game-used jersey, and they were right. That's actually a hell of an eye. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know who commented on that, but bravo, whoever nailed that. Uh, as you can see, er, an audible gasp comes over the courtroom and cries a guilty, guilty go up from not only those in attendance, but the jury and magistrate as well. The prosecution would like to call the defendant to the stand. Mr. Crisco, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you, Iserman? Brad mumbles inaudibly as a traitor would. Speak up, Mr. Crisco, or, or I'll add contempt of court to your charges. What do you have to say for yourself? I gotta leave for hockey in five <laughs> minutes, so how long is this comment? <laughs> the court finds you guilty. Jersey time. What is your favorite Dallas Stars jersey? Uh, oh, can, do, can we count North Stars? 
uh, North Stars, their old one with their the star built into the logo. Or it's the N with the star, the green with the yellow, black, and white three bar. It's these, not even up for debate. That's it. These jerseys that are coming up for their outdoor game that pay tribute to the Houston Stars, I believe it is, or the Dallas. I haven't seen those yet. Uh, the the logo is out, and it's the D with stars written through it. It's very cool. I th- would not be surprised to see them turn to that for their logo. The, the runner-up was the simple black ones that they had with just the white and the two green bars with yeah. the stars logo in the late 90s that was also good but no the north stars win and it's not close uh that's it for this episode we'll be back midweek we're going to talk more about the rings of course we have some cool stuff to show off on the meetup more hockey will have happened between now and then thank you again all all of you so much for everything you've done to support the show um we are so incredibly excited for this season we'd like to thank all of our patreon supporters sky carcass luke johnson arjun shanker don mitchell clayton van dyken Mike Reed, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Sean Levine, Matthew McKay, thank you so much for becoming a name-level sponsor. Kaylin Wood, Jacob Turner, brand-new name-level sponsor, thank you so much. Charlie Elkins, John Evans, Antonio Lupu, Rob Thiel, Misty at the Meetup Buddy, Stan Olson, Ryan Lewis, Mike DiLoretto, and Hannah Lee. We love you all. We can't wait for the rest of the season. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.